Hello and welcome back, fight fans, to episode number 206A of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. And tonight, we introduce the phone lines. That's right, the call-in feature is here. Hopefully, I'm knocking on wood, uh, nothing crazy happens and the technology works out, we shall see. So more about that in a little bit. Um, Also, we got some uh, performance-enhancing drugs news to talk about. And uh, a lackluster card to review from this weekend, but one very good performance from a good prospect on that card. So before I get into news and notes, guys, a quick housekeeping note. We will not do a Thursday night show because this week's big card is on Thursday night. So instead, we'll do a show Wednesday. All right, so the preview show will be Wednesday night. And we will preview that Thursday card and everything else coming up this weekend. I'm actually working deadline for that card for Ring uh, TV. So I have to be watching that card and report on all the fights and stuff. So we'll do the preview show Wednesday night. Also, later on in the show, uh, after I get through news and notes, we're going to open up the phone lines to you guys so you can call in. The number to call, and I'll repeat this, but the number to call is 213-267-7777. Eight seven. We're dealing with new technology. There might be a few hiccups. Hopefully everything goes smooth. We shall see. Uh, let's see here. I've got a million screens that I'm clicking on here. And I just want to make sure. Yeah, I got my chat up. I can see you guys here on YouTube Live. So if uh, you still want to get super chat questions in and everything on YouTube Live, that's cool. Or else, guys, just call into the show later. All right, some quick news and notes items. And then we'll open up the phone lines. Uh, So, Alejandro Jimenez, right, test positive for a banned substance that's actually a steroid, Stanozolol. Stanozolol. I don't know exactly how you pronounce it, but this is a bad steroid. And I found it funny. Well, let me get into the details first. So, this was a a sample collected January 10th. That was the day before the fight against uh, Franchon Desern Cruz on January 11th. Tough fight, close fight, very physical fight. Jimenez won and grabbed two super middleweight titles. So, me, like a lot of you guys out there, kind of questioned when we heard that voice from Jimenez. But more than that, when we saw certain things in the performance, she had crazy stamina in that fight. There's been a huge body transformation with her. So, I found it interesting that all the heroes who are going after guys like me simply for raising questions. Now, look, some people on Twitter took it too far and were making fun of the woman's appearance in a, I thought, over-the-line, over-the-top way. Some of you guys had a little too much fun, okay? I didn't go there with that stuff. I simply brought up performance-enhancing drugs testing. Turns out there was Vada for that fight. She's also in the clean boxing program. And she popped for Stanolzolol, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. That is a steroid from the 1960s. That is an old school steroid that I don't even know how people are still getting busted for that. It's definitely not a steroid. It's it's not something that's in livestock, so that excuse won't work. It's not something that's in supplements, so that's not going to work. This is something you ingest with intent. I think um, the MMA fighter, what's her name? Um, I can't think of her name right now. Who's the popular MMA fighter that got busted for that? I think uh, Ben Johnson or uh, one of the one of the UFC guys definitely tested positive for this drug recently. Yet they still continue to fight, which I think is hilarious. Anyway, so in 2010, this drug was withdrawn from the U.S. market. 
It's classified as a Schedule Three controlled substance under federal regulation under the Anabolic Steroid Control Act of 2004. The side effects of stanozolol include uh, those commonly associated with anabolic steroids, such, such as menstrual irregularities for women, acne, uh, atrophy of the breast in women, impotence in men. Why the hell would you do this shit? Anyway, uh, this was first banned by the International Olympic Committee back in 1974. That tells you how old school this drug is, okay? And it really became popular and, and more well-known in media in 1988 when Ben Johnson, a sprinter, uh, tested positive and was stripped of his gold medal. Most of those sprinters are on steroids. That's been well-known for decades. But um, so for Jimenez to test positive for this. Now, look, there's probably, I should say she wants the B sample tested, right? So they're going to test the B sample, but... I've never seen a situation where the B sample results were any different from the A sample results, at least not with VADA. They know what they're doing with this stuff. So I imagine there's going to be an abnormality found with this banned substance in the B sample. But we shall see. In the meantime, there's two ways you can ingest this, at least from cases that I've studied and things that I've read. Yes, you could be just consuming this drug for its anabolic purposes. Or you could be getting another designer drug that's processed in one of these underground labs that doesn't do a very good job cleaning and the equipment that they're using. Let's say say you wanted to take a diuretic and you ordered it from some uh, underground lab or something. And some of their beakers where they were producing stenozolol, they cleaned them out, but they left a little little bit of residue in that beaker. So when they process your drug, a little bit of that stenozolol is in the drug that you ordered. That happens a lot. That's, uh, I think, what it's just my personal opinion. I think that's one of the cases with Alexander Povetkin, one of the times he popped. I think that's what happened with him. I think that's what happens when you find trace elements of some of these drugs uh, popping up in samples collected. We also don't know, was this a urine sample? Was it a blood sample? I'm guessing it was from a urine sample. It's much easier to dilute a urine sample and cheat a urine sample than it is to cheat on on a blood sample. And then uh, who knows what's going to come from the investigation? Will they take a hair follicle sample? We just don't know. At this point, her titles are up in the air. We don't know. All right. Also, Wilder Fury 2 press conference this Saturday that was broadcast live on Fox and I think ESPN News. So I tweeted about this a little bit, you know. These press conferences are just boring to me. I think um, I've, I've attended plenty of them, trust me. And press conferences for big fights are kind of fun because of the atmosphere and just the, the spectacle of it all. But the whole act with Tyson Fury and, and Deontay Wilder, it's just boring to me. And, and by the way, I include Anthony Joshua in that too because both sides between Wilder and Joshua have said, oh, we get 50-50. No, we get 60-40. And just all this back and forth with neither side is really serious about doing the fight. It's all boring as shit to me. I also found it funny during this press conference, though. You know, All these press conferences, you have some casual... I don't know who the woman was that was asking questions You know, to both Wilder and Fury. Never seen her before. Probably won't see a whole lot of her again. She's obviously not a boxing person. They never get a dedicated member of the boxing press 
to host one of these things. It's some chick you never heard of. Also, Kurt Menefee, who is very experienced, but not in boxing, introduced the fighters up on stage. And I, I, I found it funny when he introduced Tyson Fury. He said uh, in 2015, he dethroned the undisputed heavyweight champion Vladimir Klitschko. Then he took a break. Now he's back. You know, something like that. And so, well, he didn't exactly take a break. Okay, there was performance-enhancing drugs issues, there was uh, banned recreational drugs issues, there was suspensions, strippings, there was two and a half, almost three years out of the ring. That's not exactly a break. You guys that work a job, you probably get a 15-minute break at work. That's different from not showing up for work for almost three years. Just a little different. I just, I love the, the the spin and... I get it. These press conferences, particularly for pay-per-view fights, they're for the casual fan. They're trying to get some of those people that bought the charade that was Conor McGregor, Cowboy Surround. Yeah, it was a charade. I'm going to say it. That was not a pay-per-view worthy fight, nor did it prove anything for Conor McGregor. He beat a guy that's now lost three in a row by stoppage and has 14 career losses and always fails when he steps up against the elite. So they want some of that crowd that bought that and paid money for that, that gullible, casual fan to buy into this. And that's why they spin some things. I also found it really funny that they took four questions from the media. Four. There were dozens of people, probably over 100 media people there, that took four questions, at least at the part that I saw. All of them were from people, reporters, that have been very, very friendly in their reporting about PBC. Uh... Kevin Ioli got the first question. He's Mr. PBC, and then it was Mike Coppinger. No disrespect to those guys. They do some great work, but come on. <laughs> I mean, that, that, you couldn't not notice that. There were a lot of other people there in the media, particularly people that worked with other platforms, including ESPN and stuff, that they could have asked questions to. I just found that kind of funny. All right, so let's... Uh, Let's review a little bit of the action from last week. Uh, last Thursday, January 23rd, Golden Boy Promotions on the Zone at the Hangar in Costa Mesa, California. Jason Quigley scores a KO3 win over Fernando Marin, who has now lost five of his last eight. This didn't prove much from Quigley, but it got him some rounds, a good win. This was at a super middleweight catchweight. Obviously, Quigley wants to campaign at middleweight. His last two fights, though, have been above the middleweight limit. They were kind of stay-busy type of fights, showcase type of fights. He called out Jaime Bungia after this fight. Now, that's a matchup I like. Two flawed guys with entertaining styles, not hard to hit. Uh, They hit pretty hard. They're pretty active. I'd love to see that fight. And because of the promotional situation involved, I think it can happen. So I would love to see Quigley... And Mungia. All right, let me um, let me go over here and open up these phone lines. And um, bear with me, guys. I'm going to set this up. I have this muted, so you should not hear it. But I'm going to go ahead and open up these phone lines real quick. And then I'll review the PBC card um, from Barclays. I think that was a Barclays. PBC on Showtime. All right, I'm calling in. They're not answering. What? Oh, there we go. It took him a while to answer. All right. Six-digit pin number. Hopefully you guys aren't hearing this. 
Boom. All right, getting these phone lines opened up. Okay. Just saying I can't start a show, babe. I knew we'd have technical difficulties. Nothing can be easy ever. Did you save and start show? I, I clicked it here. Okay. All right. All right. Phone lines are open. <laughs> so Did go ahead and uh, so we're on now. Yes. That means we're on. Okay, guys. I told you. Uh, yeah. Fluid situation here is I'm uh, learning how this works. So, yes, please get over to the phone lines, guys. The number to call right now, 213-267-7787. In the meantime, we have a super chat from Gideon. He asked, where is the Roy Jones soundbite? I need to get that one. I still haven't got it, dude. I've got plenty going on, but I am going to get the Roy Jones. He's not getting up, Jim. Soundbite, I promise you. There's a couple other ones that I need to get. I, did, I missed the super chat from earlier? From oh, a super chat from Deed3440. Thank you so much. It says, honestly, who is the most avoided fighter right now? Huh. Good question. Well, thank you both of you guys for the super chat. But, man, that's a good question. Um, man, most avoided fighter. Hmm. I'm trying to think of what. You know, it's probably Arthur Betterbeev. I think that uh, nobody right now. Wants a piece. When you think of a guy that has two titles, okay, he's the top guy in the division. Everyone should want a piece of him because he's got two titles. No one's calling that dude out. So I'd, I'd have to go with Arthur Better BF. I saw one of you guys saying Andre. Andre is definitely avoided. Uh, Michael Mendiola says Benavidez. Yeah, I hear you. But again, Arthur Betterbiev has two world titles. He's a unified champion. You beat him, you're the top guy in the division, the legitimate champ. No one's calling this dude out. Usually when you have a guy at the top with two titles, Gail Falkenthal with a good shout. She says Terrence Crawford is on the avoided list. Absolutely. freaking lootly uh, Box says uh, Usyk. Usyk is definitely up there too. Yeah, I mean, Usyk, look, he's going to work his way into a mandatory situation with the WBO, and he'll get a crack at that title. I definitely think once he wins that title and has the WBO, no one's going to be lining up to fight that guy. Interesting stuff, guys. That's a great question, man. All right, so number to call again, 213-267-7787, and hopefully uh, this technology works out here. So you guys call in anytime. And in the meantime, we will uh, go back to the fight review. So PBC on Showtime from TGB Promotions, you know, this got me thinking. This was a lackluster card. And I don't want to sit here and beat up on Showtime and beat up on Steven Espinosa or anything like that. But, man, this was a shit card. It just, the, the two headlining fights were not very good. Uh, but it got me thinking. When was the last Showtime boxing card that was memorable? I want to pose that question to you guys because I honestly can't remember. I just can't remember the last time Showtime had a card that you remembered a week or two later that people were talking about on Twitter, even arguing about whatever, debating something, just discussing it. It's been forever. We've seen them on Fox. We've seen them on FS1. Think about this, guys. Last year, Lipinets and Peterson, 
That was a great fight. That was on Fox Sports 1. That was one of the best dozen or so fights of 2019. I think Fox Sports 1 had a better year than Showtime. You could absolutely make that argument. You really could. So anyway, I I don't know what's going on with Showtime, but Steven Espinoza has been really salty on social media lately, and I can see why. I mean, they're having some problems over there. They're getting the scraps. I mean, they're they're even getting scraps after FS1, and you just didn't think that was going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, I think, let's see, Fluffy Bone says the Wilder KO. I'm assuming you're talking about Wilder's KO over Brazil was memorable. I guess that's the last event or moment that Showtime Boxing had, but that was a knockout over Dominic Brazil. But yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that's the last one, but you're going back how far, man? That was almost a year ago. And what happened on Showtime Boxing since that you remember? You are right. That knockout of Brazil, that, that was trending on social media, like the GIF, the, you know, the videos of it and stuff. But since then, nothing. Just absolutely nothing, man. Anyway, okay, let's talk about these fights. I want to talk about this prospect out of Philly, Stephen Fulton, who's now 18-0, 25 years old. He is a super bantamweight prospect, beats uh, Ukraine-born fighter Arnold Kagai. And this was, to me, the performance of the night. He looked really, really good. Fulton did prove that he's not a pretender, but he's definitely ready to contend. And you could call him a top prospect, a baby contender, somewhere in that range, right? But he called out WBO title holder Emmanuel Navarrete, which I found hilarious because coming into this fight, Kagai was rated number two by the WBO, Fulton number eight by the WBO. After this win, he's going to be right there at the top of that organization. And he called out the title holder, Navarrete, who's a WBO title holder who fights over on ESPN. So some of the guys, the management there at PBC, didn't get to Fulton and tell him, hey, don't talk about that WBO stuff because we don't believe in that. Even though Brian Castano at 154 is about to fight for the WBO 154-pound title soon. I think he's been named the mandatory. So... It's just hypocrisy with the WBO stuff. I have to call that out. It's absolutely ridiculous that they refuse to recognize it because they don't want their welterweights going up against Terrence Crawford. That's really all it is. It's not because they want to make a PBC belt. Because if you're going to make a PBC belt, you wouldn't recognize any of the other damn titles. So I just, I find that interesting. But yes, Stephen Fulton, performance of the night. In the co-main, Jarrett Hurd went up against Francisco Santana a guy who has now lost five of his last eight, who's a true welterweight, Heard had one fight in 2019, right? So there's a lot of rust. He went up against Santana, again, a career welterweight. I think he's fought north of welterweight maybe once or twice. And tried to change styles, tried to fight defensive, tried to box and not brawl too much. Didn't look very good doing it. Now, I understand you're coming off a loss, That's always difficult for a fighter to come off that first career loss and to get back in the win column. That's a tough thing to do. So I understand the psychology of that. I also get that you're trying to work on stuff with a new trainer. You're trying to work on some things. Okay, I get all that. But at a certain point, the ninth, tenth round, you got to be able to step it up and get this guy out of here. He wasn't able to do that. He did drop Santana late in the fight, I think in the final round, but I'm just not so sure how this new style for Jarrett Hurd is going to work. He was still, even though he was boxing and playing it safe and not going crazy, 
uh, he was still getting hit a lot by a guy who's, you know, no, no disrespect, a journeyman level fighter. So what happens when Hurd, the one thing that I think that helped Hurd against top junior middleweights before was his pressure and activity. He was punching and coming forward. That had fighters backing up on the defensive. Now, Julian J. Rock Williams was able to expose massive flaws in his game. And what he would do is he'd fill the gaps when Hurd wasn't punching. Because you can't be punching all three minutes of a round. He'd fill the gaps and he used angles and spacing to get under Hurd's power, to get inside and push him back. and showed massive flaws. If you can get Hurd to basically not just roll downhill on you, you can beat him. So I, I just I didn't see anything against Santana that told me, man, this guy's new and improved, and you know he's going to win the rematch against J Rock. I just don't see that, not at all. And then in the main event, Danny Garcia unanimous decision win over Ukraine-born, Los Angeles-based fighter, a career lightweight Ivan Redcatch. This was another fight that was a complete showcase. And Danny Garcia, you know, he he looked pretty good for the most part. He admitted after the fight he had rust, just like Jared Hurd. One fight in 2019 for Danny Garcia, just one fight. So you're going to have rust. But again, late in this fight, you got a career lightweight who's been stopped. Redcatch has been stopped at 135. He's been stopped at 140. He had one fight, I believe, north of 140. That last fight with... Devin Alexander, there was at some weird junior middleweight catchweight. I think it was a slightly above the welterweight division limit. And that's it. And other than Redcatch biting Garcia on his neck, I think in the eighth round, that was the only entertaining part. So this was a, just a lackluster, dull, uneventful card. And this isn't me trying to beat up on Showtime or beating up on TGB Promotions because they usually – Tom Brown does a great job putting these cards together and stacking them with fights. And I love that he's always prepared with uh, walkout bouts and everything else. He does a great job. It's just the whole situation. PBC is not the only people that do this, but that whole situation over there, it's just rough, man. You can't have guys fighting once a year. We just had an upset with Rosario beating Julian J. Rock Williams. And I don't think it's the only reason, but like I said before, inactivity and, and having that rhythm broken up, that that caused uh, that caused J Rock a lot of problems, and then in these two showcase fights, it's a good thing both Hurd and Garcia were fighting naturally smaller guys who don't punch very well at their weight, or else they may have lost. You may have seen another upset. These guys got to stay active and fight more than once a year, man. Uh, Durden boxing with the super chat pledge. Thank you very much. He says, "How long until Showtime Boxing gives up and quits?" You know, man, that's a good question, but according to Steven Espinoza, they are here to stay. They are here to stay, and they are dedicated to boxing, so we will see. All right, uh, we got a caller here on the chat. Let me see if I can figure this out. Let's see here. I'm going to bring you on. 832, you are on the neutral corner. What's up? What's up, Mike? This is uh, Coach Derrick in Houston by way of New Orleans. All right, what's going on, my man? I just found your show about uh, three months ago. This first time I'm calling any podcast. Uh, man, Coach K took a little flack from all the fans, man, with hers. And, I, man, they, they told you through the build-up. They told everyone what they was doing. You know, wasn't yeah. worried about looking for that knockout. 
Uh, I don't know if I was on hold or something if you covered it, but what do you think about her? I think he's going to win about round seven. He should have just went ahead and went forward, but. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I, it's funny. Yeah, I was just talking about that. And, like, I understand two things, right, psychology of this fight. So Jarrett Hurd's coming off a loss. That's always hard coming off your first career loss, right? Then he's coming off a layoff. So that's that's difficult. So there's rust. So I understand all that. And then you're with a new trainer who wants you to work on some things. So I understand all of that. Through the first six, seven rounds, okay. But after, once you get to the late rounds, you got a career – welterweight in there with you you need to step it up he stepped it up a little bit in the 12th round to drop Santana but I gotta say man I was just I was a little disappointed in his performance because I I thought get your eight nine rounds of work in and then step on the gas and show us the old Jarrett Hurd you know roll downhill on this guy who Santana couldn't hurt him right he couldn't hurt him he knew that get him out of there that's that's the way I saw it I I totally agree with you but uh, Kay been in the corner with me before, and so I know the guy, and okay. and I knew going in that would happen. So I was I was happy. Did you see the improvements early on? Did you see him not forcing, uh, being able to punch going backwards? I was happy to see that, but I I I, I agree with you. You should have sent him. You should have sent him seven eight because that kid was ready to go. Uh, I saw I saw him thinking. Did you see him thinking too much? Because that's what I saw. Yes, yes. I, I think I think uh, Hurd wanted to trust his first mind and start banging out, especially when the crowd started moving. I think he wanted to do that, but to me it showed uh, maturity, man. Cause it, it's almost like he stopped himself from doing it, listening to his corner. That's but a great point, man. In the fight game, it's not going to build fans, right? I understand your point. That's a great point, though. I, You know what? I didn't think about it like that, but you're right. He did show a lot of maturity because those habits are hard to break, right? When, when you want to bang, especially when the crowd's booing, I mean, you could tell he was thinking about it. But you're right. He showed a lot of discipline. I didn't think about it like that. That's a great point, man. Um, I did not think about it that way. But that sort of discipline, you know, that, that shows a real dedication that he's taking this seriously. It's not all talk. He wants to make changes and get better. So let's see, man. You know, they say it, t- it takes, what, three fights with a new trainer, right? Three fights. Right. I told him that I would like to see him together two more times before they take a, you know, before they end up having a fight uh, for the title, which is not what people want. And people's going to want her to, to, to bang and trade, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think Tay might put some years on that kid's career, man. And if he if he if he if he's showing a discipline of following it, man, uh, like I said, I picked up on that because I I seen he wanted to go, but but he impressed me early, and then I got bored like the rest of y'all. But I seen that he was sticking to the game plan. Garcia, man, I think he was thrown he was thrown alive, huh? He was supposed to knock that one out of the park. That kid was, ended up being tough, but. Yeah, that, that, that whole show as a whole uh, heard more so because they did it on purpose. But, but uh, Garcia was supposed to get his guy out of there. He's, he was he was punching hard out the gate. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. He, he was looking for the home run, right? You could see it, but he wasn't always setting it up. But no, he was looking for the home I run. Think, yeah, he, he that kid's ability didn't, didn't deter uh, Dan at all. 
so he actually was taking chances and standing there, really. But uh, that guy, uh, that guy just ended up being tough. But I just want to make this point, too, Mike. Uh, listening to your show, I find it informative. I enjoy the shit out of it, listen to it. And uh, I think we may agree maybe about 60% of the time. Because I'm not, I'm not with you on the Philly boy, man. Philly's taking hits. I'm a, I'm a J-Rock super fan. I'm a Philly, I'm a Philly fan. But that guy, man, if that, if that, what's, what's, what was the Asian kid's uh, name? I forget. Uh, Who, the guy that beat J-Rock? No, 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 no. I'm talking about uh, the the young fella, Fuller. Fulton? Fulton, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, Fulton. What would you think of him? I'm, bro, I'm not sold at all. Really? I'm going to put him right in the box with uh, that that, uh, that Colbert kid and and the Spencer kid, man. Really? I think think he's better than those two. I'm not a believer. Well, he he definitely he he's definitely more game than those two. He, he he's trying to win and take the chances. But I think that Asian kid, man, he's not he's not that weight class really, huh? Yeah, yeah. He's a, know, he's, he looked yeah, a lot he, smaller. That was a tough guy, bro. And I, I didn't give him many rounds. He didn't win many rounds. But if that guy was uh you know belonged in that weight class, we might have seen a different fight, man. That, man, you I can say that about all three him. fights on that card. Yes, well, yeah. I just was impressed by the grittiness of that of the agency. Man, I'm not buying. Maybe I'll buy in a fold later, man. But I'm not. I, I, man, leaning forward like that, that chin sticking way over his front yeah. foot. But let me, man, was he doing that? Was he doing that because he didn't respect the kid's power? Yes. And, That's what I thought. And I think by the time he realized that kid was tough and he was there, then he was trying to rely on pulling, you know, trying yeah. to pull him because that just exerted a little bit. Uh, he had to rely. He was the better athlete, clearly. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, that other guy was game, man. But I, yeah, it was one of them shows, man. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Hurd. I was a fan of Hurd even when I thought. Uh, he, he wasn't that great a boxer. I, I, I like to call him that. I like Hurd. I think Hurd's a, <laughs> a smart kid, man. Hurd, you could tell Hurd is a smart kid that gets it. I like the way he markets himself. You know, he's got his uh, his tees and everything, his clothes that he he uh, posts out there on social. You could tell that he yeah. he's just he's thinking down the line, and he's a smart kid. He's going to have a future after boxing, whatever he does. And I agree with you that, you know, this style might put some years on his career. I just don't know how it's going to look against a big, strong junior middleweight like Charlo. I just don't. Him backing up, I think the way he's got to fight Charlo is just come forward in punches and bunches and stay tight. Him backing up against Charlo ain't going to work. I'm going to tell you, man, we was in the, uh, we're starting out to be the uh, Harrison camp, but it turned into that other uh, Dakota team. But we was there to help me prepare for uh, for Harrison, uh, the rematch initially, when, 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 he, when he called injury. And the one thing about uh, Jamel, bro, you're right. They big, strong guys, man. They are very big, strong. Both of them, but even, even Jamel at 54, man, that's a big, strong. And he's always lying because, uh, I had I had Tony even after getting hurt early ahead in that fight. I don't know what the judges were looking at. I didn't agree yeah. with him, but but he showed he showed 
it can always happen. <laughs> He's explosive. And, 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 the Charlos are explosive. Yeah. I think they're overrated yeah. as boxers to a degree. Oh. Some people have them on their pound-for-pound pound list. They're not ready for that, man. Nah, you and I, we on the same page as them boys. And I like them. I, you know, I, I've been in Houston 20 years, so I'm rooting for them. But, uh, and they, you know, they, they gave my kids a job during a couple times. But, that, uh, man, they big, strong guys. Man, you can't sit there with them uh, and let them get off on you. But, yeah, man, I enjoy the show, bro. I'm a fool. Thank you, man. brother. I appreciate it, man. Hey, the first caller to the show, man. It was a great call. So call back in later, man. All right? Have a good night, brother. All right. Let's go. Uh... Cool. All right. I saw some of you guys didn't like the length of that call. Look, man, if you call in with a good call and you got me thinking about some stuff, I didn't think about it that way before, we're going to have a conversation. That's what this whole thing's about. So some of you guys need to get in here and call into the show, man, because there's not a whole lot more to talk about. We've reviewed everything from last week, including the news and notes. This is going to be a short show, unless you guys get on the phone. We can go have dinner. Tiffany's over there. She's saying, good, we can go have dinner. Reminder, guys, uh, the preview show is Wednesday. We're going to have a lot more to talk about. I think a lot more of you guys will be on. But um, that one, again, we're going to preview because I don't want to do a show Thursday while that zone card is starting. I'd rather preview it the day before, and then that way we could you know, talk about it before we get to the fights. All right, so we got another call here. Let's get them on. All right, 614, you're on the neutral corner. What's going on? Hey, how you doing, Mike? What's up? Hey, this is John Newton. Oh, what's up, man? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing real good, man. This is uh, excited about your first call-in show, so I wanted to get in on the first first day of that. Thank you so much, man. Where is 614, the area code? Uh, Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. All right, Columbus. All right, cool. Not too far from yeah. where I grew up. What's going on, man? What no, you got no. for the show? Uh, I wanted to get your um, perspective if you have heard anything about the fighters that are fighting on the uh, some of our top fighters fighting on the undercards of these YouTube cards of like Jake Paul and these guys. Have they kind of expressed kind of being down about it or upset about it at all? Who? The promoters? Like uh, no, like uh, the fighters themselves that have been waiting for a while to, you know, even get their big. Fights on display like Tevin Farmer and Diaz. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you you know, I I'm not gonna say on the record, but I, I will say that there are a couple guys I have talked to that were fucking pissed, like really really pissed off that they weren't in the main event. I've also talked to some other guys that honestly don't care. And one guy, I'm gonna paraphrase. He basically told me, "Hey, my money's right. I don't give a shit. I'm getting paid." I don't care who they got in the main event, whatever. Um, and then some of the – one other guy well, – actually, the same guy. He said, um, look, man, this is getting other people watching it, younger people that are going to see me fight, so I'm cool with it. But, yeah, with this show in Miami, um, I think the first time it was like this with uh, Logan Paul and KSI, that was like this uh, – I don't know, like a freak show, kind of like Mayweather McGregor. It was a first time. So people were kind of attracted to the circus. I wonder how it's going to trend in Miami with this one, because I have no idea who these two guys are. These two YouTube guys, are they as popular as the other two? They can't be as popular, right? 
Do you know? Because I don't. <laughs> I have no idea. No, I don't at all. But I, I wouldn't okay. think so because it just hasn't been on the Twitter feeds as much. So that's how I kind of gauge. How that's that what I'm been. saying. Yeah, like it's not the same buzz. Now the other one was in Los Angeles, which is where the media uh-huh. is. A lot of these YouTubers, all they all have to move to LA. All the podcasters, all the YouTubers, eventually you got to move out there because that's the media capital. This is in Miami. It's a media hub, but it's not LA. So that's probably part of it. But then also, yeah, man, that that newness, that curiosity is kind of worn off. So I'm curious, like, Uh-oh. how it streams. But I could tell you, man, they're going to keep doing it. Matchroom has plans to keep doing it. And I okay. think it would be a good idea if they got boxing media guys fighting. If they wanted to put me in there with somebody and they want to pay me <laughs> a bunch of money, shit, I'll get in shape and go fight, man. That would be great. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, what do you think about the Anthony Sims Jr. kid that's on the undercard? I like Are you him. high on him? Yeah, yeah. Good-looking prospect. You know, um, so I, I think there's more upside there versus some of the other guys that we've seen recently, right? It's like, like Spencer and those uh-huh. kind of guys. I'm just not high on those guys. I think Sims has real upside. So that's, you know, we'll talk about that Wednesday. But that's somebody that, you know, I'm going to be taking a look at. Uh, on that card, I want to be busy that night, man, because I got to get four articles posted at Ring TV covering that card. That's why I just I can't do a show Thursday. That's why we'll do a Wednesday. But yeah, I like Sims. What do you think? Nice. Yeah, I like. Um, I was rewatching this fight with um, I can't think of the last guy he was against in Chicago. Um, I thought he was going to finish that guy in the first round the way things were going. But yeah, we were there for that one. Yeah. pushing the six rounds. Um. So this one, I don't really know what this uh, was. Uh, Angulo guy, I thought he fought Gilberto Ramirez, pushed him twelve rounds, but I don't really know what that means in the long run right now. So Sims Sims might could get him blast out him out of there because Sims is more explosive than Ramirez. Ramirez has that you know punches and bunches thing, a lot of volume and pressure, but Sims has some explosiveness to him. And I think that last fight in Chicago where he hurt the kid early, but he it ended up going rounds. That's a good lesson for him. You're not always going to get everybody yeah. out in the first round, you know? So Right. He seems not to be afraid to get inside and mix it up and do some good work in there, too. So. Yeah. You just don't see that anymore from a lot of prospects working on the inside, either. You know, it's something I appreciate. And it's not dirty work on the inside. It's clean work. You know, I, I appreciate right. that. Yeah. Uh, my last question for you. Um, the um, Bradis and uh, Dortico's fight got set up, but do you know if um, Brady's situation with the WBO caused a delay in that happening or not? It did. Yeah, because um, they originally wanted to sanction a rematch, and it was basically he had an option, you know, do the rematch to keep the BO or go forward with the World Boxing Super Series. The thing is with with that tournament, those contracts are lock solid. You're not getting out of it. You've seen fighters, like, threaten to leave the tournament before, and uh, it didn't work because they can't. <laughs> Those contracts are lock solid. So he ended up going that way. And then there's more money in it with that World Boxing Super Series finale. I, I think that's a great matchup, man. Dorticos can crack. Bradis, I think, is probably yep. the better, maybe more skillful, more experienced boxer. He had all those years sparring with Klitschko and everything, but Dortigos has a bomb. He has a chin. Right. I, I, I can't wait for that one, man. Like, to me, yeah, they should go back to Cruiserweight every year. I wouldn't get bored <laughs> of it. The Cruiserweights are always good. Yep. And um, it, it, it's only a matter of time. It seems like Dortigos always lands the bomb eventually, almost like Wilder in a way. Yep. Even Gossier, if Gossier just happened to be able to take it somehow. 
Gassiev is just a, a brick wall, man. I've met that guy in person. I've seen him hit the bag. Uh, just He's a, just a wrecking machine. It's just the problem with him is his body's breaking down. But, yeah, can, can Brady's – Brady's – can he take the punch? And also, will he cut? Will he bust up a little bit, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I can't wait for that one. That's going to be a great fight. Same, man. Hey, I appreciate you taking my call tonight, man. I appreciate you calling in, man. Do it again, all right? All right. Thanks. All right, brother. Have a good one. All right, guys. So uh, let me see. Am I, let me get over here to YouTube and make sure that I didn't miss any Super Chats. Nah, it looks like we're good. We got another caller here in the queue. Let me take this one. 702. You're on the neutral corner. What's going on? What's up, Mike? It's your old friend, Real Palmer. What's up, man? How you doing? Palmer. Yeah, hey, man. You got the floor is yours. You are in the ring, so go. What do you got? I want to know, uh, I'm sorry if you spoke about this early on. I missed the first part of the call, but what were your thoughts on Bob Arum so... Um, vehemently calling out the McGregor fight for Crawford and being willing to put him in the uh, in the octagon for, for the first fight. That was uh, pretty damn interesting, was it not? Yeah, I t- actually, I talked about this, I think, last week on the show. Number one, it shows that th- like things are shifting because you've got a brand now in Conor McGregor that boxing people are starting to talk about, right? Like for Bob Arum, yeah. who's been on the record saying he hates MMA. He said, some, didn't he say something one time? Like they look like they're gay rolling around the ground or something like, like some really nasty yeah, shit. Right. Yeah. And now he's talking about putting Crawford in there. I think it shows that say what you will about Conor McGregor, the fighter, maybe he's overrated. Maybe he's not the guy outside the ring. Isn't always the best guy. He's been in a lot of trouble. But he moves the needle. And I think that, honestly, Terrence Crawford does have a little bit of wrestling knowledge. I don't think he ever fought competitively as a wrestler, but his two sons do, and they're really, really good. Him having just that knowledge in wrestling, dude, I'd be interested in seeing that. I think if they do two fights, and they did a boxing match first, and then they did an MMA fight second, I think you build up to the MMA event because that's where all the casual UFC fans are going to buy into that one even more. I do it. I think that'd be huge. I don't think it'll ever happen because Conor McGregor would get hurt in the boxing match. And if Crawford loses in the MMA match, no one's going to give a shit. So uh, I just don't think it's going to happen. But the fact that Bob Aaron brought it up, that is very telling, very telling. For me, it came across, as a bit desperate that yeah. he's prepared to fight him in the in in MMA first, especially. It shows that really. I mean, what is the next fight for Crawford? Like you, you really couldn't say with any confidence what it would be, right? Right now, so they're probably going to go up. They want to go up to one fifty four for that WBO title and fight Patrick Teixeira and kind of do what Canelo did with Kovalev. Last year, yeah. they'd like with, to do isn't that. He with um, Golden Boy, isn't he with Golden Boy? Uh, to sh- I think Tashera has options with Golden Boy. Yeah, I think he has, he's a Golden Boy guy. Yeah, so that that's a makeable fight. Yeah, and then um, 
come back down to look. The good thing about Crawford is at some point next year, Taylor Ramirez, maybe even Prograde, those guys will be moving up. So, go you know, starting next year and everything going forward, he's going to have options. But I'm with you. Like right now, it's it's rough. Although they have seriously considered that fight with Sean Porter, so. Uh, that is very possible. That could happen, and I'd love to see a fight between yeah, Crawford I, I, and Porter. I'm I'm certainly one, not one of these guys that puts all the blame on on Crawford's side or on Spencer's side. I think there's you know there's two sides to it. Yeah. Um, but I just it to me it, it played it played their cards. It showed that they really don't have any options, and it, it did come across to me as as a bit desperate. And I know the, the whole he's got a wrestling background. I, I mean, I wouldn't be starting a high school quarterback for the 49ers on Sunday. That way. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, it's it's not going to uh, it's not going to end well in an MMA fight. I, I mean, the only chance he'd have is apparently he knows how to grapple. I've heard that, and he's you know he's he's practices grappling and stuff. I've heard that. I don't know how true that is, but he'd have to land a free yeah, yeah. shot. Short of that, oh, McGregor's oh. going to destroy him in an MMA fight. And Crawford will destroy yeah, him in a boxing fight. But they'll make a yeah, ton of money. If they did it, they'd make a ton of money, man. Tens of millions of dollars. So it is prize fight. They would. I mean, I don't think Crawford is, is necessarily a big enough name for it to be bigger than a like a traditional MMA fight for McGregor. I don't think in terms of he spoke to the average guy on the street. I don't think they know who, who Crawford is over right. like the, the average kind of top five guy in MMA. So that's why I say if you, if you do it, do the boxing match first to introduce Crawford to the MMA fans. And the thing is Crawford's nasty. Like he gets in the ring, he, he gets really nasty. So if McGregor got a little chippy with him, you know, Terrence ain't going to like carry him and be polite. Like Floyd did. He's going to, he's going to go right after him. And I think, that could maybe get people talking and maybe you build up the MMA fight. Well, now it's Connor's turn to whoop his ass. It could work, but I'm with you, man. I just don't think it's going to happen. McGregor has so many other options, right? He fought yeah. Cowboy Cerrone on pay-per-view and nobody in MMA gave a shit. Everybody, all the UFC fans, I talked to a bunch of people. They didn't care that that was uh, pay-per-view. They all bought it and they didn't mind that the guy was coming off two straight losses. It didn't matter to them. So, you know, McGregor can do whatever he wants. He can fight whoever he wants. Yeah, I'd say um, what UFC has done is build their pay-per-views to become it, the brand of the UFC sells more than the fight. Yeah. And people get together. Like, I, I went to a party and there was 50 people there. I don't think I've ever been to a party with 50 people for any any boxing match. Only for I, I have I've been in fights with over a hundred people, but they were either Mexican fights with you know Mexican American family like get-togethers and stuff. Like those were some great times, man, back in L.A. And then for Mayweather Pacquiao, of course, I was at a huge party for that. But yeah, you're right, and you you made a great point, Rob, because with UFC, it's like the NBA, the NFL, it's the brand. It's like a league, right? People think football, they think NFL. They think basketball, they think NBA. When you think MMA, you think yeah. UFC. They, it doesn't really matter who's on the card. They're buying the UFC. With boxing, no one gives a shit if it's WBC, welterweight, catchweight, WBO. No one cares. It's about the main event fighters. That's about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
That's something we need to fix. I, I think in boxing, we really need to fix that because it's not sustainable. Well, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's tough with the with the with the format that the sport is in, where where yeah. you don't really have a league or one overarching governing body. I mean, not to get too much in the weeds of it, but really the UFC has an advantage from the perspective of that they can control, obviously, you know, they can control the purses, but it means they can control the investment that they make in their product from every aspect. And promoters aren't able to do that because their, their bottom line is, is, is razor thin. Most, most shows are losing money. I would imagine it's only when they get to the big shows that they make the money. Right. And that means instead of employing 10 people in their marketing department, they have two and that makes a difference. Well, then also with UFC, you have more sponsorship network support built in, but then the, the fighters take maybe 25% of the revenue in boxing. The fighters get 75%. So the fighters in boxing do have a lot more control. They get a lot more money, but because of that, they're not always as willing to get in with the other top guys with UFC. It's like, Hey, you fight or you sit on the shelf. You know, and that's better for the fans, not necessarily better for the fighters, because for every Conor yeah, McGregor, I, there's dudes getting a thousand dollars to get their head kicked in. Um, I I know. I think that's a little bit overstated. The, the difference in certainly the difference in what a kind of uh, the take what Danny Garcia might be getting paid to the equivalent in terms of ticket sales and interest is certainly getting paid less. But what the guy who's maybe ranking number 15 in the world in MMA is getting paid compared to the equivalent in boxing is probably more nowadays. Maybe in certain divisions, but I'm saying pound for pound. Because you got to think with boxing, oh, the difference is yeah. boxing is such a global market. I mean, there's guys like Naoya Inoue never has to leave Japan. He doesn't have to. He, he, he already has and he will again. But if he wanted to fight the rest of Rayola Murata. What is he truly ranked pound for pound? 50 in the world? The guy's a stud yeah. over there in Japan. So you have such a global marketplace. And, you know, yeah, we're getting into the weeds. People people are probably getting bored with this. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I mean, there's definitely some things that the boxing promoters could learn from the UFC guys. But then I also wonder, 50 years from now, Will the structure of UFC look a little bit more like boxing as the fighters get more control? It will ultimately happen, and the UFC can't control it forever. There will be a rival brand somewhere in Europe or Latin America, Asia, wherever, that will start building up a brand over in a, you know, a different part of the world. And then it's going to start to break up, and it's going to start to look like boxing at some point. It's probably going to take a while to get there, though. Yeah, it, it could well be the case. I mean, I would like to see. I, I certainly don't want to see a, a monopoly in boxing, but I think there are certainly there's too many networks showing boxing right now. Yeah, we're getting quality over quantity, and um, if we got back to the days of having two networks, I think we'd be in in a better place, and we'd be seeing better fights just because there's less options for these fighters. Right now, we're getting you know main events like. You know what we got served up this weekend. I didn't even. I didn't even watch it. It wasn't worth. You didn't miss anything. To be honest, I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't be a subscriber of Showtime if it wasn't free as part of my cable package. I'm the same way. Yeah, I haven't paid for Showtime in years. You know, you call every six months and say, "Hey, I'm going to leave," and they say, "Oh, we'll give it to you for free for a year." Okay, so yeah, I wouldn't pay yeah. for that shit. I I canceled my HBO subscription years ago, um, but you know, it it back in the day you knew boxing was either on HBO or Showtime. That's it. And now it's all over the place. How long can this yeah. last? And even then, even then, HBO was still kind of had like a 75% market share as well. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And like at some point, what we have right now will consolidate. This ESPN, Fox, Showtime, Fox Sports 1, the zone thing can't last forever. There's going to be some consolidation. Some promoter is going to jump over to another you know, platform. I mean, it'd be a massive, massive move if, uh, I don't know, somebody left the zone and went to ESPN with top rank or something. You got to think over the next five to 10 years, things like that will happen. Right now, yeah, yeah. you know, it is quantity over quality. But look, the zone's 2019 was pretty damn good. If they can match that in 2020, that's pretty good, man. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for even for the card uh, coming up this Thursday. Yeah. The, I'd say the most interesting thing is that, you know, Fox and Disney, ESPN, they're together now. And will they actually, what will that look like in five years' time? It could just be one network. There'll be no Fox Sports. There'll be no, uh, you know, they'll, they'll all be merged together. And that could, you know, force the hand of these promoters or they decide to go with just top rank or just go with BBC and that kind of pushes one of those companies out of the market as well. Yeah, there's a million possibilities. I think it's an exciting, interesting time to be involved in the sport. I think, um, look, the thing, what we're getting right now with Wilder Fury, where they have a built-in deal for a third fight already. They, they're trying to do a third fight this summer if they can. I mean, the way the networks are basically telling the promoters what to do because the executives are like, hey, we're going to play ball and make this thing happen. Maybe this is a, a glimpse into the future. You know, I hope so, but we shall yeah, see. It is also, boxing. They don't want the zone or any equivalent of the zone to be a success. So, oh yeah, maybe it's in their interest to to kind of phase those guys out. Yeah, the zone could crush the whole establishment if it took off. That's a huge if. That's a massive if. There's uh, how many diehard boxing fans in America? A million, two million, maybe. If well, you get them to subscribe, I mean, okay. Hearn said, I, you know, Hearn says a lot of stuff, but he said there's they're they're close to a million subscribers on design. Yeah, they are. And I can't I can't think what else they're subscribed for. And he was specifically talking about in the United States. Yeah, it it was around like I think eight hundred thousand, and then they got a slight bump at the end of the year. Uh, I think the uh, AJ Ruiz fight bumped them up, and a lot yeah. of those people bought in for the year and everything. So. Um, you know, look, it, it's been around for a year. You've got a million subscribers, almost. That's pretty good. Yeah, ESPN Plus has like 4 million plus. Or, it might even be more than that. But they have all sorts of different sports. And they, I mean, they're a massive, massive company. If the zone can keep this going and get to a place where they have 2, 3 million subscribers here in the USA and they continue expanding in other markets, other countries, which they plan to, it might be okay. It might work out. The main thing is they got to keep with the fights. You know, they, they got to have good, great fights. It, like that la that fourth quarter last year, I haven't seen a schedule like oh, that. 
Yeah, I mean, you have to go back to the 90s, like HBO Boxing After Dark, you know, those days. So if they can keep that shit going, even if you get one quarter a year like that in the zone, it's got a chance. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough, man. Yeah, it will be. All right, man. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, man. Thanks for calling it, Rob. Call back, man. All right. Have a good one. All right, guys. I saw a couple super chats I want to get to. Trini with the super chat pledge. Thank you so much, Trini. Call in, brother. Give me a call, man. Uh, I'd love to I'd love to chop it up with you, but thank you for the super chat. I saw there's another one on here too. Did I miss it? I might have missed it. Holy shit. You guys will be going crazy in the chat. Survive with the super chat pledge. Thank you very much. He says, I want to see you fight Radio Rahim. Dude, if DeZone paid me and Radio Rahim six figures to fight each other, we could probably make that happen. I'm sure Radio Ahim would say the same damn thing. That would be fun. If you had a card, honestly, if you had a card with guys like me, Radio Rahim, uh, Mike Coppinger, you know, I, I can't think of other guys. But if you had a bunch of guys like that lined up on a card on the zone and we all fought in Staples Center, you know damn well you'd watch that shit. If you pay me, I will show up. All right, guys, one more call and then we're out of here. All right, we've been going for almost an hour. 6.01, you are on the neutral corner. What's up? 6.01, area code 6.01, you are, oh, they hung up. That's a knockout. We just got knocked out. All right, guys, uh, awesome show, man. And again, I understand some of you guys in the chat were like, man, some of these phone calls are going too long. Guys, it's going to be a feeling out process over the next couple uh months okay but we'll get the flow we'll get the flow going all right so wednesday night all right wednesday night guys call back in and uh we'll preview everything coming up this weekend all right thank you so much to all you guys for uh being here on the show this was a a lot of fun and um you know some bumps in the process but we will figure it out and uh man just think about all the possibilities Oh, another super chat from Gideon P. Tiffany's phone's going crazy. He says, before you go, Chiefs or Niners, who you got? I got Chiefs. I got Chiefs. I think that the the NFL wants the Chiefs to win for Patrick Mahomes because they're all in slobbing that guy right now and for Andy Reid. He's the happy grandpa everybody loves. So I think that's what the league wants, and I think that's what the league's going to get. All right, guys. I'll see you Wednesday night.